listening to the Halford and Brock Show on Sportsnet 650. Kevin Woodley's going to join us in just a moment here. I'm laughing because during the break, Brock and I were talking about how certain people get their nicknames. Some of them come by them honestly, right? Like, Woodley is like Woody or Woods or whatever. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? So, Brock's texting back and forth in the in-basket with someone with the handle Grimace. Yeah. Right? Which is obviously... Like the McDonald's character. Mm-hmm. The iconic gigantic purple blob. Yeah. Right? I think it's a potato. What? I think it's a potato. It's a giant purple potato. You are going to Google that right now while I tell the story because I don't think that's I don't right. think that's the case, buddy. Um, so I used to... I'm going to be as vague as I can because this person is probably still around and kicking. I don't want... But so anyway, I used to work with an individual and we were required to wear suits at this job. Okay. And this individual... Happened to have an affinity for this one particular very purple suit. Did, you didn't work with Willy Wonka, did you? <laughs> I was rank and file at the chocolate factory. <laughs> anyway, uh, that person got the nickname Grimace. It took about five minutes of seeing that suit to be, be like, "You're Grimace, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime you wear, like, what have I done? Anytime you wear a lot of purple, you're either getting Grimace or you're getting Barney. Yeah, and a close third Willy Wonka. Anyway, yeah. but so the problem was is that the, the nickname and the reference spread. Too fast and too quickly. And this person was our superior. So I had to start calling this person Grimace, like an Italian-influenced Grimace, just so that they'd throw him off the scent a little bit. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. They knew exactly what we were talking about. Right. So, yeah. anyway. okay. uh, by then, the way, a Grimace is the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. This what? Is, McDonald's has had two different stances. So not a potato. No. He's either a, the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. That was uh, the, that marketing campaign came up in the '60s when everyone was doing acid. Yeah. <laughs> <What> <laughs> if? I got a great idea. <laughs> what if the taste bud was human-like, but also a large amorphic blob, and it just wandered around? Okay, uh, Woodley's on hold. Woods, Woodley, Grimace. Uh, we got a couple things to get to before we get to him. Halford Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Joining us now as we cram more business into the show, a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. Uh, Kevin Woodley joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Woods? Not much. Like It's not quite the same as the old morning wood days and the erectile dysfunction reads, eh, boys? But uh, this is what happens when you get into your 50s. You know what excites me in the morning now? Being able to drive without having to stop for gas. This is this is what excites me. The world of EV. So I'm okay. So you've I'm got just it, as pumped up as I used to be for the morning wood. So uh, you've tra- you've traded the ED for the EV. There you go. Brilliant. Thank well, you. Brilliant. John. And Thank I you. had to I had to go and I as I'm a professional. I wanted to make sure I got the pronunciation right. It's Hyundai. 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 Right. I Not Hyundai. Which. Oh really? Let's just say the people that when I did my reads, I, there was a little bit of anguish for the person that had to record them because that was a tough switch for me. So one more time, Hyundai. Hyundai. Okay. All right. And it's on a Monday. Okay, Kevin. Uh, let's get into what happened on Saturday 
and Friday for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it's it's hard to look back. Anytime we do a Monday show and there's a, a back-to-back, it's tough to really digest and analyze the first game because the second game was fresh in mind. And in this particular instance, really fresh in mind because the Canucks are now just one of four teams to have lost to the San Jose Sharks this year. Uh, let's just get some opening thoughts on what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. 4-3 loss in San Jose on Saturday. Well, let's just say I liked a lot about Friday night in Seattle. Yep. Um, and you know what? Like, I know Talkett hated it. it. The mistakes were egregious. They gave away easy goals, right? And we've talked about it in this league. Like, when you give away easy goals, it's, it's tough to make it up. And um, the, But overall, like, overall, they... They should have scored about five or six. Like, they also got goalied a little bit here. Like, when I look at the high-danger chances they created, there were 14. Like, that is a really high number. Their expected was over five. Like, this was just about sort of a lack of consistency and, and mistakes defensively that just led to easy goals. And so I understand because it's the Sharks, the reaction is to is to be really upset by it, but... You know, on back to back with the travel, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm. And this is. We've been pretty hard assed around here. House of negativity, but I'm. I'm a little more lenient on this one than maybe the head coach was in the post game. Like, it wasn't great, but these are going to happen. Yeah, a dog was all over the Canucks too. I mean, I've, yeah. I've never seen the guy so mad. Embarrassing. He, he called it an embarrassing loss, and I, I gave credit to the Sharks because I thought they did a pretty good job of staying in the shooting lanes and, and blocking shots. And Brock Besser by himself could have had five goals in that game. Now he did have two, so you give him credit for finishing those chances. But I think um, we were having this conversation earlier in the show. Besides him, who do you like on the wings right now for scoring goals? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, it's like it's it's like the defense. It's by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a fair question. They, but but it, I mean, in Seattle, we weren't asking this question, right? They were getting it from the third and fourth lines. They were getting those contributions. So, um, put me on the spot, and I, you know, obviously Andre Kuzmenko's in the press box, and yeah. it'd be interesting to see how much longer that holds up. JT's doing it mostly on the power play and, and out of the middle. Um, uh kind of cooled off a little bit here as well. That line's kind of cooled off. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you do like, you know, like, this is, is what makes it hard on Tuesday night in terms of the Kuzmeco decision. You don't hate what Lafferty gave you. Like, if he doesn't clip Kakin and skate, that's a totally different game. Like, don't you feel like if that counts... Uh, going to the net hard and redirecting that short side on Kakinen. And it was goalie interference, but I'm not sure it actually made a difference because he was pulling away from the the side that Lafferty tips it sort of against the grain. It was a nice play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ha- are you taking him out of there, given what he produced, even if one didn't count in those two nights, given the forecheck, given some of, of what he created that you might not get if you make that switch? It's... It's re- for a team that's off to such a hot start. As much as I don't want to a- overreact to the San Jose game, there are a lot of really fascinating and interesting decisions coming in the next couple of days, both in terms of how the coaches handle things and also in terms of how the team reacts. Um, not just with Anaheim. I mean, they got spanked last night by Edmonton. They've lost a bunch in a row. Um, but that's a dangerous animal. And then, obviously, with Vegas coming in on Thursday, this is a fascinating week uh, to be around the rink and following the Vancouver Canucks because I'm, I'm curious to see which way a lot of these decisions go. 
Kev, what's the most fascinating goaltending situation in the NHL right now, not including Edmonton? We've, <laughs> we've talked enough about the Edmonton Oilers goaltending situation. I'm wondering about teams that came into the season, like the Edmonton Oilers, with Stanley Cup aspirations like New Jersey and Carolina. What's going on with those two teams? Because their overall team save percentage is among the worst in the league. Yeah, and, and the thing with Carolina is, you know, a lot of times you'll hear me talk about environment and, you know, the goalies can only do so much. The environment in Carolina is fine, right? Like, they're they're not quite where they are, typically are, which is, like, top three in the league defensively, but they're still easily within the top ten of every category except penalty kill in terms of what they give up. Um, they're just not getting the goaltending. And, listen, I think Freddie Anderson, for, for as much criticism as he's had over his career, you know, come playoff time and things like that, like, there's a steadiness to his game and a consistency his game that fits that team really well so you lose him to the blood clots and all of a sudden you're asking Antti Ranta who is really good in limited minutes and and has been really good when he stays healthy now you're asking him to be the number one and that's not a role that he's ever really had success or been comfortable in like he can give you really good 1b minutes but asking him for more than that there's been a lot of inconsistency as his games played goes up here and you know, Peter Kachetkov, um, all the talent in the world. I know Greg Ballack on the other side of the, of the glass there was really excited to see him throwing out giant sweeping poke checks off the backhand the other night. Um, but with sort of some of the, the sexiness, for lack of a better term, of, of the saves he makes, there's a real inconsistency to his game, perhaps in parts because he relies so much on on that type of reactive or, or aggressiveness. And that doesn't, that's tough behind a care. The way Carolina defends to have an inconsistent goaltender who, you know, relies on sort of feel and rhythm and timing, that, that's a bit of a tough mix. And he doesn't have a ton of experience. I'm not saying there's still not a ton of upside there, but that's what you've got. Like you've lost a guy in Anderson who was just really steady for you. And that puts the other guy in a role he's not comfortable with. So, and Jersey, yeah, I mean, honestly, more the same. I wasn't, as sold as others on Akira Schmid, and, and again, he's in the NHL probably earlier than anybody expected him to be. And Vitek Vanacek, I've said it before, and, you know, I put it in fantasy football terms. You know, somewhat of a high floor, but a low ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so as the injuries have piled up to Hughes, and um, obviously they're missing Heischer for a while, uh, their game has kind of cratered a little bit. They're not getting the offense that, that they enjoyed early in the season, and they're relying on goaltending. And frankly, they don't have a goaltending canon that's built to be relied on. Is there a team out there that is getting unsustainably good goaltending like we you, I, what what I really appreciate about your analysis is that it takes the defensive environment into um, into account uh, is there a team out there that maybe has a really high save percentage but shouldn't have a high save percentage that's a, that's actually you know I mean we saw them come crashing down to earth a little bit um, on the weekend uh, again back to back games. Um, but the Boston Bruins, it kind of reminds me of Carolina. Um, are they still a good defensive team? Yes. Are they where they've been in the years past, you know, top five, top three? No, they're, they're a little more mid pack ninth overall, uh, 13th most off the rush. PK's dropped into sort of the, the mid-teens as opposed to always being top 10 in expected goals. And they've been getting exceptional goaltending 
from Allmark and Swayman. And obviously the unique nature uh, of their sort of back and forth tandem and, and the partnership that they have, you know, it, it's really easy to cheer for. But up until the weekend, they were both sort of at a level, you know, you'd heard me talk about Demco, right? Being like plus five on expected save percentage. And right. it's incredible, but nobody's ever done it before. So it was bound to come back down to earth, and it has. And those are two guys who might have a little more down-to-earth coming, um, especially if the defensive game craters. Because I think when you lose Krejci, when you lose Bergeron, you have the attention. Your coach has the attention of your players in terms of we all need Great. to pick up defensively what these guys did, the standard that Bergeron set for this team defensively for years. It's easy to get that early. I think as the season goes on, that's where the everyday excellence of a Patrice Bergeron and demanding that from those around him, you might see that wane. And if that starts to wane, you know they've leaned so heavily on goaltending, and as good as those two are, it's been at a level that's really tough to maintain over over a full 82. So I still love the tandem. They're still the best tandem in the league, but there might be a little slippage coming. Just, you know, reality. Reality is they can't play at that level forever. I'm curious, what do the numbers say about the Canucks? Um, defensively, they are... And this, is, this was the question coming into the season, right? Like when Taki came in from... January 22nd on, they were a top-five defensive team. Mm -hmm. And in in terms of not giving up high-danger chances, and Lord knows that's not what they were before and hasn't been for years. They've maintained that. They're fourth overall in high-danger five-on-five expected goals against, and I've talked about this a little bit. Like, That's not just a good sign in terms of the environment and a lot of what Talkett talks about for the goalies, you know, not having to worry about the back-and-forth saves as often, being able to sort of just split the ice in half and focus on one side. Um, but really, that number in particular tends to bode very well come playoff time. And I'm not trying to put, you know cart ahead of the horse here because they still have to make the playoffs but they've obviously built up a nice cushion and it slipped a little in the last couple of weeks but still even with the slippage it's top 10 the one that's killing them the one that is still way below where it needs to be in terms of expected you know high danger chances expected goals against the pk is still 29th and that's got to improve the other thing that's come up a little bit like they're still you know, bottom bottom third in terms of what they're creating other than the power play, which is up to seventh. But in the last two weeks, if I filtered out for the last two weeks in terms of, you know, way, where teams are trending, some of the expected goals are starting to come up scoring-wise. Like, instead of 28th and five-on-five expected goals, high danger against, they're up to 19th. So, um, obviously, 19th isn't where you want to be. You still want to be higher. But I, I'll tell you this. With their finishing talent, I'll take 19th in expected as long as they maintain top five in expected against. And, um, again, I really do look at the high danger stuff because I think that's, that's where most of the offense comes from. And the fact they're fourth overall right now in the NHL, second against the rush, is like the polar opposite of the Edmonton Oilers. If they can clean up that PK even further, especially when they get Carson Soucy back, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to like in terms of the underlying profile, at least defensively, of this team. Are you going to practice today? I am certainly going to practice today in my Hyundai. 
Oh, okay. Hyundai. Okay. Hyundai. You, see, you've got to you got to keep practicing. See, yeah, I got to work on it, guys. Yeah. I got to work on it. So uh, I imagine everyone's going to be curious to see what the line combinations are. The one thing for me that I keep wondering about, like, what is going on with Pew Suter? Because I know he's he's a bottom six center, and people shouldn't make that huge deal of it. But it's curious because he's been day to day for quite a while now. But also, I think if the Canucks had him back and Bluger is in the lineup and Nils Amon is, you know, a potential to play center, you would, in theory, in theory, if Tockett wanted to do it, um, have the ability to put back the lotto line and have either Petey or Miller go to the wing. And I think that might be something that a lot of people would like to see right now. Ooh, ooh. That's, I mean, that, that's interesting. I, I don't know... I don't know that they go there right away, in part because of what Pew Suter gave them scoring-wise. He talked about who do you like on the wings right now. Like what he was giving them as the 3C, um, starting to find his offense and yeah, starting to score true. goals for them before he got hurt. And then you put Teddy Bluger on the fourth line and, you know, things sort out pretty well. Um, man, like, like for all we've talked about in terms of, I have a tough time splitting up the Besser Miller. Like, as much as, I, hey, listen, I'm as lot of line as anyone. Love the nickname, love everything about it. Would love to see them rekindle the magic that they once had. But what you're getting out of JT Miller and, and Brock Besser, whether, whether it's with Bavillier or with DiGiuseppe, um, like as, as much as there's no, they're not perfect, these lines, especially with the Pedersen line struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd be a little hesitant to go, go away from that. As much as a lot of what Brock is doing is, is also on the power play, um, it's just they've been pretty good as a, as a matchup line. And so going away from that, do you potentially create other problems? Tro- but, totally, but I'm with totally. you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like right off the top, it's a fascinating week, not just because of the opponent coming in on Thursday um, and the bounce back you, you want to see on Tuesday against a team it would be easy to overlook. But yeah, like how do they line this up? And, and the other thing, you know, we're, we're sort of back to defense by committee. Um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, mixing and matching, and that's where you get these moments where there's confusion. I think you could see even on uh, the, I'm trying to think it was the third goal against San Jose, where, where Myers and, and, and Ian Cole are sort of like talking, almost like pushing each other, like, you know what I mean? Like, so how they sort that out as they continue to get through Carson Susie injury, um, as much as we're fascinated with the forward lines right now, like how they continue, continue to manage those minutes and how Adam Foote continues to sort of roll and mix those things in key moments may be more important to bottom line success than ultimately how they mix up the forward pairings. Kevin, enjoy practice, and uh, we'll chat again in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Thanks, guys. See you, Thank buddy. you. That's Kevin Woodley on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. Hyundai. You got it. I know. Visit the showroom on King George in White Rock or White Rock Hyundai, dot com. Um, let's do a few what we learns and just a reminder to the listeners, uh, text in your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. No Canucks tickets to give away today, but tomorrow? And Thursday. Tomorrow and yeah, or maybe Friday. Tomorrow, two giveaways this Friday. week, but definitely two, tomorrow. Two giveaways yes. this week, and yeah. tomorrow's will be for the Vegas game, I imagine, on Thursday, right? Is that true? I believe Should that be, is I'm correct. just pulling it up here. Okay, well, it doesn't really matter. Okay. No, I think you're right. There's no uh, connection. Yeah, tomorrow is for the Vegas game, and Friday it's for the Devils game. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my what we learn is that Montreal, the city of Montreal, is amazing at Canadian football. Loves Canadian football, <laughs> really good at Canadian football, dominates Canadian football. The Alouettes uh, win the Grey Cup, and Montreal over the weekend, sadly, they defeated UBC to win the Vanier Cup. Overall, a very successful season for the UBC Thunderbirds just to get to the Vanier Cup, but they fall short in uh, a low-scoring affair to... Super tight game. ...to the Montreal Carabin. Yep. UBC actually had more offense in terms of yards in the game, Mm -hmm. but ultimately lost 69. One touchdown made the difference. That was it. It was really tough going uh, for either offense to put much on the board in the Vanier Cup. And I do know that the Montreal head coach was full of praise for the T-Birds afterwards. So that was the toughest team we played all year. That went right down to the wire. So here's the key. Next next year, BC is going to do what Montreal did. And BC is going to do it by hosting the Grey Cup, winning the Grey Cup. And UBC is going to get it back to the Vanier Cup. And this time they're going to win it. How's that for a plan? I like it. All right. Uh, Give Queen, us some- oh, by the way, the 2024 Vanier Cup is back in Queens again as well. So oh, okay. I just want to throw that out there. In, in Kingston, not Jamaica. <laughs> Oh, by the way, sorry, I just had a random thought. Should we call Kevin uh, Woodley's segment now every Monday uh, Hyundai Monday with Kevin Woodley? I don't mind it. Hyundai Monday with Kevin Woodley? Sure, yeah, we'll yeah. go with it. I uh, mean, I just thought of it. Can you mind. sing a song? Can you go like... Uh, hey, I don't, don't want to give... I don't want to get... Listen, listen, listen. Hyundai's had enough... They've, they've had enough publicity. We are a Delariac era. This is true. Show, okay? That, that's true. They, they, do, they do clash. Yeah, Hyundai, you know what? Hyundai's break down a lot, I think. Uh, well, I... <laughs> I don't think we needed to go there. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> So well, <laughs> hey, not, well, you, we lost Jeff. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys managed to ruin two sponsorships today. <laughs> right. I just lost my headphones. All right, give us a moo cow on that. Oh, well done, the intern Joseph. Good mooing, Joseph. He's already doing this better than Laddie, and Greg's getting nervous. That's true. Laddie's back there. He's like, "Oh, right, the moo cow." Um, okay, we got a lot more to get to on the program. Uh, what we learned, humanoid edition coming up. Get yours in. What did you learn over the last seventy-two hours? In sports, let us know. Text to the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. It's your chance to be on the radio. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh. God, this is always dead. We learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family. Of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learned time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We have decided to forego our what we learns because on a Monday, we ask for what you learned over the last 72 hours in sports. So there's a lot of listener submissions. 
Uh, what we learned, Humanoids, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! So I think I've said on a number of occasions here that on Sundays... Uh, I'm a red zone guy. Mm-hmm. I like to watch red zone. I think uh, NFL Network's red zone with uh, Scott Hansen is just a- unbelievable. Seven hours of uninterrupted programming where you just are mainlining NFL content. For Yeah, we watch football differently. You watch red zone and I invest in games, um, individual games. Now, you'll notice I said uninterrupted. Oh, okay. And that was really put to the test on Sunday. Because during the broadcast, and for those of you that haven't seen Red Zone, it is seven hours of uninterrupted content. Frenetic. There's no commercials. There's no pee breaks. I don't know if he has some sort of bucket and or bottle, but Scott Hansen just goes from the 10 o'clock games, our time, Mm -hmm. right up until the very last vestiges of the afternoon games. But there was something of an interruption on Sunday. It was scary. Scary times. I'm just going to let the audio speak for itself. Scott Hansen, NFL Red Zone, uh, on Sunday. International audience, keep it right here. You will see the conclusion of Buffalo and Philly. Stand by. And we come back into the studio right now. I am reminded of an old Chinese proverb which says... May you live to see interesting times. I've never had this happen before. I'm pretty sure all of our professionals haven't either. But we soldier on with the top five plays of the day on NFL Red Zone. So the what we learned is from Juan from Comox. Hashtag WWO what we learned. What I learned is you guys need to be more like Scott Hansen. There was a fire alarm in the studio and he didn't skip a beat. Juan, bro. Uh, I dealt with the greatest on-air disaster of all. I was on the air, and they closed the station on me. So I think I know a thing or two about how to broadcast under pressure. Not sure if you heard. (laughs) I handled that with aplomb. Mm -hmm. It's like I was talking one minute, and then I wasn't the next minute. Do fire alarms in buildings, like... We, we we don't move now. Like no. It's well, I was going to ask. I don't know right? this story. Like, like what, what was I, he okay? Like was it an actual fire? It was, was a false alarm. Oh, okay. They returned to broadcast. So he's not like broadcast. Like the fire is like, getting pretty close now. Yeah, it's yeah, getting yeah. hot in here. I want. We will miss Scott Hansen. <laughs> he died doing what he loved. <laughs> Burning. <laughs> what? Oh, um, <laughs> what? I lived in a I lived in an apartment building at for a time on the uh, 16th floor. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was arduous when a fire alarm would go off and, you know, I was, wasn't in the best of shape at the time. And there was, you know, I know going down the stairs is easy. At the time. At the time, <laughs> as opposed to now. And uh, the dawn is now, yeah. <laughs> so I remember very, it, and one time it went off at three in the morning and I remember one time making the very conscious decision, just be like, you know what? I'm yeah. just going to see how this plays out. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm, I've I definitely mean, been there. I'm like, yeah. should uh, give it well, like ten more minutes. Wasn't yeah. that Bruce yeah. Boudreaux's approach? It wrote to the Winter Classic. He was in the hotel and there was an alarm, and he said the same thing. Until uh, I smell smoke, I'm yeah. just going to hang out up right. here. You know, you just you you roll the dice sometimes. 
And then when the uh, firemen showed up, they're like, mm-hmm. it's a very foolish roll of the dice. Please don't do that again. But right. I think this happened six times in my apartment since I've been there in the last five years. And yeah, every time you're just like, no, it's, it's a false alarm. I'm going to let it play out. Right. One time I actually did smell smoke and it was like Michael Scott, the office, <laughs> like, oh my God, it's happening. Let's you're go, like, go, go. Stands and knocking over old ladies. <laughs> yeah, getting out. Pretty much. Yeah, I've always it. been, uh, I've always paid attention to those things ever since I watched that very special episode of Silver Spoons. I don't remember In 1984. Yeah, that was a very serious hotel fire. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Edward, Ricky, and Dexter oh got trapped in their hotel room during a fire. And it was in Miami for a toy convention. And yet another timely reference. That was the year I was born. Yeah, yeah. Does anyone remember that very special Silver Spoons? Do you remember every once in a while those like Silver Spoons or different strokes would have yeah. very serious episodes? And now we look back on them and I'm like, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Also kind of creepy. There also was a, there was also a couple, super creepy. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple different strokes ones where I was like, this is... No. Every 80s or 90s There's show, a drug awareness. to take this long? What's a good time for a mass evacuation of the entire plant? 45 seconds. And what's our time so far? I don't know, sir. This stopwatch only goes up to 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, Cameron in Abbey, uh, the Canucks, what we learned, the Canucks need a cheap scoring winger. Perhaps a local boy who is on his ELC. If only they could have drafted someone like Zach Benson. Oh, wait. Okay. Hey, dog. Uh, take it hey away. Hey, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right up your alley. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brando. Well, well, well. well. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> because the Canucks oh. lost to San Jose on Saturday, it was a mistake to draft Tom Willander. That's true. It was all his fault. Uh, Brandon in Vancouver, what we learned from, from November 9th to the 25th, the Canucks have played... Ten games in 17 nights, seven on the road. Three separate three- and four-night stretches. Down Suter and Susie with PD not winning his matchups at all. Five-on-five five isn't great, but all things considered, it isn't bad when you take a step back. The mistakes that are costing us are correctable. Uh, absolutely. I don't think there, there's no... I hope we're not giving off any sense of panic about the Canucks right now. We're still overjoyed with the start. Yep. I think we're just... They're 2 4 and 6, though, in the last six. 2 4 0 in the last six. Yeah. Well, they're not playing particularly well. They're 5 and 5 in their last right 10. Right now. But that sounds but, a bit better. But yeah. overall, I think it's been really encouraging. They are facing some challenges right now. Um, all the things that Brandon in Vancouver listed, like those injuries aren't, it's not star players being injured, but I don't think PD's 100% right now. And it's a problem. I but they got to yeah. take care of business tonight or tomorrow against uh, Anaheim. Get back to their winning ways. Take care of a team that is had no expectations heading into this season, really, and has really fallen off a cliff since an encouraging and unsustainable start. I'm talking about the Anaheim Ducks, who were blown out of the water for, what, their sixth straight loss yesterday right. in Edmonton? That, like, they're not a good team. That six-game losing streak that Anaheim's on right now started with an 8-2 loss to Colorado, and then most recently was also an 8-2 loss in Edmonton. Uh, Laddie, I don't know how... Oh, I'm sorry. Am I bothering you? (laughs) 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 That look you gave me. You're like, what? Oh, I'm sorry, Laddie. Do you have to do work now? (laughs) Am I bothering you? Why are you asking me to do work? Should we put the intern back on? Why are you talking to me? God, I wish we had a Laddie camera. (laughs) The look you gave me was like the, oh, he's asking me a question look. Um, What does he want now? The Ducks goaltending. I noticed that the split isn't quite 50-50, but it's kind of close. Do mm-hmm. they play, is it Dostal or Dostal? Dostal. Dostal. Does he basically get the same amount of run as John Gibson now? Yeah, he's 
he was my number two goaltending prospect coming into the season. Really? So he's very good, and he's getting a lot of opportunity, and he should. Yeah, he got carved up last night. Yeah, he didn't do very well yeah. last night. But okay. that, that team in front of him is a bit of a mess. Uh, Justin in East Van, hashtag WWO, what we learned. I learned that Dustin Bufflin has a new gig. He's been a competitive fisherman for the last six years. There's a weights and fish joke in here somewhere. We got weights and fish! Dustin Bufflin oh, I becoming was gonna be the one with the music. Yeah, I know. A professional fisher. I knew that's that's like very predictable. I knew he that, loved to fish. Yeah, I knew that was his thing. Yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah. It was part of the reason why he retired, I think, is because he was coming back from the injury, but he had been doing a lot of fishing and time on his boat. Dustin Bufflin's has probably got such a simple lifestyle that people are like, Yeah, but you're walking away from all this money. He's like, I've already got enough money to you know, Apparently, fish. the fish uh, competitive fishing like tour is quite lucrative as well. That's why those guys had to put the weights in the fish, right? <laughs> so maybe he's making decent coin. I don't know. There was, but I remember talking to a couple people who had covered him uh, in the last couple years in Winnipeg, yeah. and they're like, if there was a guy that was just going to up and walk away and be like, eh, I'm good, mm-hmm. it was going to be Dustin Bufflin. That's just kind of how he. That was crazy it. when Winnipeg lost its entire right side of its defense. It's it was like, like, like Buffalo and Truba, Tyler Myers, all gone, just gone. See you later. And they're still okay. Uh, just in the coots. What? That's the texter. I feel like I just got Dolly Wild there, but you, you might have just. Well, I think it's Justin in the Kootenays. Let's hope. Well, yeah, sure. Let's hope. What we learned. We're going with Joey Decord is just. Joe K. That's the joke. Get it? Because decor I think, means okay. I thought decor meant all right. Don't be mean to my buddy, Joe. We're not. That's an awesome last name. And he pronounces yeah. it the American way. He's from Massachusetts. He goes decord. But, mm, but when decord. You, he's but, no Lemieux. No. Which means the best. That's right. Right? It does. Lemieux? I thought it was Lemieux. <laughs> Doesn't it? Good old Mario Lemieux. Yeah. I, I, well, Lafleur means the flower. Right? Really? Yeah. And uh, flurry means right. flowery. Flurry. <laughs> yeah. right. I just Googled it. Lemieux what? means the best. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. I feel like such an idiot. I had no idea. I didn't either. Really? I nope. never knew that. Oh, either. wow. I was being joking. I, I did not joking. know that Mario Lemieux's surname was translated into the best. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it was a pro- quite appropriate. Yeah. Right? How did I not know this? I'm 44. I grew up <laughs> yeah. here. You grew up in Canada. I grew up in Canada. Well, you know, he you does. Know what it is? This wasn't a heritage moment. If this was a heritage moment commercial, I'd know it. Yeah, like the peach. Baskets. And yet the the English people are like, well, let's call him Magnus, Magnificent Mario or yeah. something. You and know. then there's the best Anglophone player of all time, Wayne the Best. They just called him the Best. Right. That's how that works. <laughs> I think his nickname was the Great One. Yeah, actually. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Imagine that was his actual last name, and that would be what Lemieux is. It'd <laughs> be a little cocky, wouldn't it? Yeah. Some French Talk- last French last names are pretty arrogant, actually, right, actually. When you think of it, Colin and Tawasin, what we learned: instead of a sea of Granlins on Saturday night, we saw Granlin part the sea. Against the Canucks. Yeah, he did. Was that his first goal of the year? I don't know, but it was a nice one. If I, it was, good they, for him. There are so many guys on that team that used to be kind of... Yeah, it was his first goal of the year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what a, what a way to like get off the schneid with that kind of goal. But there's so many guys on that Sharks team. Can we talk about the bads? Oh, sorry. No, so no, many no. guys on that Sharks team that you can just tell are just biding their time to get moved. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that Duclair and Hoffman and Granlund are probably all going to be somewhere else at the trade deadline. Probably, yeah. Right? I mean, it's that's part... So, I want the only reason I bring this up is because I want to bring it back to Connor Bedard because we talked about him earlier in the show and 
you know, I some a couple people again not listening. It's not you, Brendan and Nimo. Don't worry. Uh, a couple other people texted in kind of erroneously that we were saying that Bedard was somehow underachieving or being a bust. We're like, no, but the hype train that started at the beginning of the year, it was they're not they're losing with such great frequency that it's hard to have the similar hype. Like mm-hmm. when you lose games, it again you can score and do all the great individual accolades. But when you're losing as often as um, Bedard unfortunately is with Chicago and Wemby is with San Antonio, there's negative vibes around it. It just doesn't feel good. And what we were talking about with Bedard is now that Hall and whatever's going on with Corey Perry has happened, how do they make sure that there's a good, solid foundation and culture being built? Yeah. And you kind of insulate Bedard because I bet he's going to lose this season more than he's ever lost in his entire hockey career. No, right? the Pats weren't particularly good. But right, but this team sure. is particularly bad. And I go back to the thing I said this summer. I thought that they were doing a dangerous thing by giving him so little talent around him with Perry and Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. He's still on pace for 43 goals, which as a rookie is pretty impressive. He's, he's been always. good. He's been he's good. He's been good. Yeah, yeah. I, again, you're like the guy in the text no, box. No, I'm just I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he's on pace for. Dolly Wall now. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you what he's on pace for. I'm not. I don't disagree with you in that. You know, people. The way the hype machine was going is like no, he's no, going to no. score my, a hat trick a game. I'm, I'm, my I concern isn't the growth of his game or his statistical benchmarks. My concern would be that they surrounded him with a lot of stink. Mm-hmm. Like there are, it's a big pile of garbage that he's playing with in Chicago. Who's good on that team, right? Well, the fact yeah. that he's still on pace for the goals. Total that he is, and on the team well, we'll that he's playing for, that, is pretty but, impressive. But we'll he's going to be that. like, it's just me and you, Korchinski. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Reichel? Okay. Uh, Marcus and Gibson is what we learned. Russ is cooking. Well, not with a full kitchen, but Sean Payton has given him a uh, hibachi grill, yep. and it seems to be working. Russ is doing his job right now. <laughs> he is. I know he is. Right? I mean, he's. it's fine. I can't believe that was his first rushing touchdown of the year. Uh, on the weekend, and well, he rushed earlier and fumbled. Yeah, I know, but I went back and looked. So I guess he. W- there are some quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, chief among them, mm-hmm. who are lights out in the red zone and the tush push, and you know, rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. We've seen it before. Yeah, I. Lo- I went back and looked. Russ was never a super prolific, like red zone goal line running quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he had six rushing touchdowns one year, and that was his high, which is good. Didn't Brady have like a ton of? Like QB sneaks. Remember, he was really good at the fourth and short. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or, sorry, fourth and short. Uh, go, well, short and goal to go. Yeah. Um, because they perfected that play. Mm-hmm. The sort of like lean over the top. Right, yeah, Six yeah. foot four, he just kind of dunk it over the top. I feel like every team should be able to do that. I. How come more teams can't do the tush push? I don't know. Like, I, it's very bizarre. The, you just, know what? Everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? They the just don't want to. They're just no, like, oh. everyone's trying to do it. Yeah. But no one can do it with the ruthless efficiency that the Eagles can. Uh, okay, I'm going to read this one. Okay. Uh, you seem I, I don't, I don't understand it, but maybe some of you guys will be able to help me out. What you, we learned, hold on. Before you do this, do you think you're going to get in the hot water accidentally because you don't know what you're reading? No. Okay, go. No. What we learned. Wrestling is as hot as it's ever been. Both Randy Orton and CM Punk made their returns to WWE at Survivor Series on Saturday night. Yep. And it was freaking amazing. Yep. All right. Um, Do you know what that person is talking about? CM Punk is one of the more popular modern wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. He left, I've went away, of him. came back. Triple H brought him back. Does the CM stand for Charles Montgomery? I don't think so. <laughs> I wish it did. <laughs> who's, who's, who's Randy Orton? 
Uh, Randy Orton sounds like a left-hander you're bringing out of the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> now on the mound for the Texas Rangers, Randy Orton. <laughs> they play his intro music. <laughs> Um, I know there's some wrestling fans. Though. He's one of the biggest goddamn stars in the game. No, no, I saw it on my timeline too. Like everybody, CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. I'm just like, I don't yeah. know what's going on right now. Why Randy is this such a big deal? Orton. We need a designated wrestling expert on this show. Randy yeah. Orton. We're missing best, that for sure. Best known for the finishing move, the RKO, which is a ripoff of Diamond Dallas Page's Diamond Cutter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Somebody so, in the inbox needs to explain to us also, why CM Punk uh, being back. So there deal. was a part in the show last night where. Uh, it was Seth Rollins went crazy at the side of the ring and was so uh, vulgar, swearing and boisterous and over the top and animated that people were like, is this a work? Apparently or is that this might real? not have been an act. Yeah. Yeah, that might have actually been a real uh, they thing. They call it a work in uh, the business. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let's try and get the, So not a bit? Don't break kayfabe. Okay. Do you know what that means? Nope. Don't worry about it. Halford's <laughs> our new wrestling expert. I used to be really into wrestling. Really into I was wrestling. in it for two years in high school. Like everyone was. Yeah. yeah. I was into it when I was in grade six. <laughs> <laughs> Knew that was coming. Can I read a quick one then? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, this one nice. is my own discovery. It was uh, okay. an article from this morning from one of the most respected baseball writers in the game right now. Who's that? Jeff Passan. Yeah. He listed three candidates that he's seen for Shohei Otani. Okay. The LA Dodgers, the Texas Rangers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. They moved up from eight to three in the Shohei Otani power rankings. It's good for it's them. Just a little Maybe tidbit. that's why our Christmas party got downgraded. They're, they're just <laughs> trying to save money for Otani. <laughs> We're not even going to get the pizza but at this point. We've heard lots of rumors about Otani. Jeff Passan's one of the more reliable guys, and for him to throw out those three teams as the main suitors... It's a pretty big deal. I'm mm. willing to forego a Christmas party if it means getting Otani. Totally. Too. I think it's good. Hey, you know, <laughs> rising tide lifts all boats, right? It's like, okay, we got Otani in the company. I mean, how amazing would that be, though? Yeah. It would be incredible. I know. Mm. It would make our jobs so much easier. I, I would love, I imagine it that like he has to get onboarded like a regular Rogers employee. <laughs> like, yeah. He has to do all like the, he's got to do the code of conduct every year. <laughs> uh, you have a 25 minute slideshow about insider trading that you have to do. Yeah. You've signed, all the, yeah, you've signed your contract. Now you got to do six different modules here. Yeah. <laughs> what it means to be a good employee. Here's a scenario. Mark over here. <laughs> This is an inside joke that none of our listeners. Uh, are basketball, I Phil. What oh, we oh, sorry. Before I, I got to interrupt you, one texter did come up with a really good idea. Yeah. We should book Boudreaux, but only ask him wrestling questions. Yeah, just I think be our insider. Yeah, just, yeah, a, yeah. just a wrestling hit with Boudreaux. Nothing hockey at all. Basketball, Phil. What we learned: the Huskies are unbeaten and almost a double-digit underdog versus Oregon in the final Pac-12 championship game ever on Friday versus the Ducks. Yeah, we talked about this uh, earlier in the show. The Huskies are undefeated, and yet they go into the Pac-12 title game against a team that they beat already this season as nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. And yet, if you watch the Huskies play in the Apple Cup against Washington State, you're kind of like, yeah, that's fair. They, so, weren't, they weren't very good. I they were, they were like, uh, I think, 18-point favorites against the Cougs in that game, and they just escaped with a win. Um, Kevin wrote this one in earlier. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. On Friday, 13 of the 15 NHL games, because remember, they didn't play Thursday because of American Thanksgiving. 13 of the 15 games played were won by the road teams. On that evening, the away teams outscored the home teams 67 to 30. Maybe a record for North American sports leagues. That included, of course, the Vancouver Canucks going into Lemon Pledge Arena and beating the Seattle Kraken 5-1. Seattle had a bad sports weekend. Not great. 
So Thursday, the Seahawks <laughs> not get not good against the Niners. Not Friday, good. the Kraken not good. terrible against the Canucks. Really, that third period was shockingly bad. When you're at home and you play as bad, you have as little life um, as they did against yeah. the Canucks. Saturday, the Huskies. Get, I mean, that was cool. It was cool. It was a cool ending, uh, a classic Apple Cup. So overall, like if you went to that game, you're like, I was pretty happy with the, you know, with that, with that. And then, but yesterday, um, Seattle FC, FC Seattle, whatever, what are they? Yeah, they they lost Sounders. The Sounders. That's right. There you go. They lost to uh, Maxime Crepeau and LAFC. Did you see the save Crepeau made? No. Oh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I didn't watch MLS. It was ama- <laughs> I just saw the highlights. Um, it was amazing. An amazing save late. Like, full stretch, tip over the bar. And then uh, a buddy texted me. He's like, do you think Millian Borjan could do that? I was laughing. I'm like, that's a good one. Um, anyway. When is Crepo officially going to overtake Borjan? And- I mean, if he hadn't have broken his leg in such disastrous fashion last year, he probably would have done it already. Yeah. Uh, I give that. You know what? I know he's pretty hated in Vancouver. He got booed a lot. Mm. When LAFC played those oh, last, fair enough. I mean, you, but you left the team. I he's to do what he's done to come back from as grotesque and gruesome an injury that is it to be playing at the level that he is. I got a lot of respect for the guy, and I do think he should be the number one like now. Um, but yeah, the Friday, I it, it did get me wondering. Kevin's text is is there like a true home ice advantage right now in the NHL that's like pronounced like that place is a gauntlet that place is super tough to go into Vegas what's Vegas like Vegas mm-hmm. is tough yeah, yeah. I think maybe going to play in Colorado is tough but you know between cookie cutter arenas I miss the old ranks when you know you'd go into Boston Garden and you'd be like well you're gonna have to get used to the ice being half the size of the regular yep. rink bouncy end boards at the Joe Louis Arena remember right. those yeah, yeah. Sedin's used that to their advantage one time mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I Chicago Stadium someone would always like fall going down the stairs yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh I guess MSG Madison yeah, Square. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, okay. the fact that we're trying to pull at these at random does make me think like... Montreal maybe, used to be, but obviously right. the last few years, uh, not... Kevin's, maybe Kevin's on to something here, like the, the home ice advantage. If you uh, you wagerers out there, maybe there's something to look at there. Well, hopefully the Canucks have the home ice advantage this week. They host the Ducks tomorrow, Vegas on Thursday, and then they go to Calgary to play the Flames. So it's going to be a busy week of Canucks talk, but we're done for today. Yeah, we got to get out of here for now. But we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been uh, Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog. He's been Laddie. He's been intern Joseph. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.